Welcome to MedEvidence, where we help you navigate the truth behind medical research with unbiased, evidence-proven facts. Sponsored by Encore Research Group and hosted by cardiologist and top medical researcher, Dr. Michael Corrin. I have a question for you, Mick. Sure, sure. Is, is there such a thing, is there a genre of Staten Island humor or, or am I just making that up? Well, well, I think I think it's a little. I guess it's a little bit of both. I mean, you're making it up in the sense that you're the only one who's ever who's ever mentioned this. But uh, if I, I would say that there is something to it. I mean, off, I mean, I basically I, I have a job because I was funny, uh, and I'm not always called upon to be funny, but that's what it is. And I I think that the the source of of the the being funny is having grown up is is being genuinely sensitive and responsive to art, but growing up in a, a, bru- a kind of a brutal social environment. And so as a result, it kind of adds a, a certain um, um, uh, terseness and um, uh, lack of pretense. And, yeah. Well, I was going to say pessimism, but also a lack of pretense. Um, but it is, it is the, I, I, you know, the, this, there's the the um, there, there are two kinds of people in Staten Island. Basically, there are the people who are at home there, and then the people who are not at home there. And the people who are not at home there, I think, are the real sources of the humor in a way, mm-hmm. uh, because you get to like I, I remember I, I when uh, you went away to college, and then you came back after three months, and we went to Burger King, and you were looking around saying. I can't believe these people. It's like you're saying, I, I grew up in this place and now I realize that I grew up in a freak show. This is like completely ridiculous. And so I, I think that that the humor in Staten Island, which I think is a product of the people who do not feel at home there, is a kind of like coping mechanism for brutality and uh, brutishness mm-hmm. and craziness. Um in fact, Mike, I think that you can find, I just popped into my head, but I think you can find the difference between the two different humors that I'm talking about in our uh, Senior Day show, mm. right? Remember? Oh, yeah, yeah, we yeah. did Senior yeah. Day, okay? So we yeah, did yeah. Senior Day, and so you were, you were one of the people making speeches. I was, I was the MC. Um, mm. I, I even wrote speeches for some people. But then we had other people who were mm. there who were very in sync with being in this place. And right. if you remember, me and you went up, we were telling jokes. Yeah. You know, we thought we were doing all right. Yeah. Then uh, this this woman Jane, right? No, and no one was listening. We were telling jokes, and, and no one's paying attention. We're cracking each other up, and everybody's like, "Thank who are these guys?" Yeah. yeah. And then and and then uh, this woman Jane, this this Jane Jane Owens is her name. She got up and started just squawking like a chicken, and everybody was falling over laughing. She's yeah. just making chicken noises. Yeah. She's making chicken noises. They was what? What the hell is this? Why is this funny? So yeah. I think that the real humor comes from the people who do not do the chicken noises and say, like, where are, where are we? What is this? Um, I, I didn't have the benefit of leaving Staten Island until a few years after you. And then as soon as I left, I understood that it was it's insane. Um, but anyhow, yeah, so I think pessimism, lack of pretense and a certain kind of uh, terseness and, uh, and a kind of – well, I guess it goes with pessimism, but a certain um, expectation of things not getting better. Hmm. Kind of living but I, with but it. 
you know, but I think there's also, you know, from a positive standpoint, is to uh, you know cut through the BS. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That which is you know the positive element of it is that um, you know you're not going to fool me, or if you fool me once, you know, shame on me. But it's not going to happen again. And um, I think that's part of it. Actually, you had a great line. Uh, you 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 uh, you like you described uh, one of my dad's business partners as a guy that that uh, throws around curses every once in a while, just to make sure you think he's a real guy or an honest guy. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's right. Yeah. All right. So you like, you, yeah. pick, you picked up on his pretense and, you know, sometimes people act in a sort of way that's not necessarily sincere, but is, is they're trying to, they're trying to come across in a certain way. And I think in, in Staten Island, we had ability to kind of see through that and to call people yeah. out for that. And why I'm interested in Staten Island humor is I do think there's a lack of pretense and I, you know, looking back, there was a lot of strange things about growing up in Staten Island, but there was actually certain lessons that I thought were valuable in retrospect. And one of them is, is this concept of lack of pretense. And you having trained in the Ivy Leagues where there's a lot of pretentiousness, um, it, the contrast was uh, pretty interesting. And um, what we're trying to do with MedEvidence is create a medical information platform that doesn't have pretense. So you'll, you'll know it's true and you know, it's BS and you don't, and we also tell you what we don't know, which is some of, one of the most important things is that there's a lot of stuff we just don't know. And when we don't know something, we have a mechanism for figuring it out, which is to run a clinical trial. And, and so, you know, it's a neat part of what I do on a day-to-day basis is to have the opportunity to either express what we know, express what we don't know, and then express how we can learn about things that we don't know. But again, uh, this is distinct from all the other elements out there of, of promotion and whether or not it's the government promoting a certain policy that is uh, promoted without giving people the caveats of why it may not work, or if it's a nutraceutical company that's just you know claiming that their wonder product does everything, and then they have a little disclaimer at the end saying it's not meant to diagnose or cure any illness. Uh, you know, there's a lot of BS out there. And hopefully the med evidence platform gets, you know, gets down to that Staten Island reality. And yeah. uh, if we need yeah. to use a little like humor that. to get there. I'm all for it. Yeah. Yeah, that is true. I, I would say that that, that is the, the great virtue of, of being from a place that's hard. We're from a place that was hard. I don't, I don't know if we understood that it was. Mm-hmm. Um, did we? Did we understand how, how rough it was? I don't think we did. No, no, no. No, it's uh, yeah. So there's so many interesting episodes, and I I kind of um, have to roll my eyes a little bit when you know some people look at me, especially younger people, and say, I you know I'm um I'm a creature of privilege that <laughs> you know you know that I'm I've been I've had my success because of my privilege and. Like, you know, if they only knew how we grew up, you know? Yeah, we didn't grow up well. Although, I mean, it was worse. I mean, it really, it was worse to be from Park Hill or something like that. I, yeah. You know, to, to, to be white on Staten Island was... Well, that's the African-American black. neighborhood. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, well, yeah. but you know, there's just certain things you, you live with. Like um, when, um, the, uh, when the Pope got shot, mm-hmm. right? There's certain things you internalize. When the Pope got shot in 1981, uh, and they rushed him to the hospital, and they said, and then, then they said the name of the doctor, and I forgot the name of it, but it was sort of a real Italian name. It was in Rome. This happened, I think. Sure. Guillermo, blah, 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 blah. And the first thing I thought was, oh, he's dead. 
<laughs> and and I and I thought, well, why do I think that? I said, you know, because I, I, I thought because because everybody knows that if you're going to get operated on, the doctor's either has, has to be Jewish or Anglo-Saxon. But other than that, if it's Italian, definitely dead. And I thought, I'm I'm genetically Italian over here, and 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 how have I internalized this? Yeah, just, this is- it's profiling. You just well, you know you're profiling. And that happens. Human beings profile. That's what we do. Well, and that's so why I we profiled it, but what was it? It was based on media. It was based on movies. It was, you know, the yeah. only the only thing you could be if you're Italian is a cop. And then I thought, well, okay, if I was black, it would be even worse because at that point in the 1970s, what, what was it? It was like, you know, the, the cop on the detective, the TV show would go talk to the pimp who would be like some black guy with a big hat on. It would be like, okay, so that, that guy, you know, is not going to you know, operate on anybody either, right? He's not mm-hmm. going to operate on the Pope. So I think that there's certain kind of conditioning that we get. And I think that the conditioning, though, that we got in in Staten Island, even as as white kids, was decidedly not privileged. If you look at um, the yearbook and you, that, you know, and you see what people were aspiring to, mm-hmm. you see the limitations of what people, no, you know, nobody said, I, yeah, I mean, like nobody said, like, I want to be a doctor, except like three people. Everybody mm-hmm. wanted to, you know, be something that was very, very modest in aspiration and didn't require going to school, didn't require any further education. And it's one after another. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I think we, we grew up in a I, I don't think we grew up in a place of, of privilege at all, especially compared to other places of privilege, real privilege. Right. Um, but I'll, I'll say I think it's been helpful in my career because I, you know, I've seen the world from both sides now, if you will, and so yeah. I, you know, understand how different people think and process. And you're right; there's a lot of profiling that happens in the human brain. And part of research and part of our goal at Med Evidence is to remove ourselves from that, yeah. uh, you know, from both sides, from you know, from you know, political sides and 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 from uh, racial profiling sides, because more often than not, those profiles are inaccurate and they're, and they're certainly not helpful in terms of making medical decisions. So that's uh, part of what we're doing. And so it's interesting. So, you know, the, again, talking about changing of directions and how the world has shifted, um, <clears throat> you know, one of the, the things now is to point out how uh, blacks do worse than whites in many medical categories. And, and that is true in many medical categories. But what the comparison that never happens is comparing blacks and whites versus Asians and Hispanics. And interestingly, blacks and whites actually do worse against Asians and Hispanics. This is called the Hispanic paradox. Hispanics actually do better than non-Hispanic Caucasians in virtually every healthcare category, even though their income levels are on average lower. And, and you never hear that comparison. And then Asians in the, in the United States, who are a minority group, actually live longer and make more money than all the other groups, but you never hear them as part of the comparison. So again, um, you know, the media comparisons are often inaccurate. And I've said more than once is black and white people, quote unquote, should be saying like, why aren't we doing as well as Hispanics and Asians in in the United States? And And why why did you, is there any, are there any theories, Juan? Yeah. Well, there's a number of theories. Um, Diet has a big influence, I believe. So there are different Groups of people have different dietary habits, and that influences things. I do think that there are quote social determinants of health, and um, you know, in many cases, um, 
the use of alcohol, other th- other drugs, et cetera, have negative impact, which probably actually affects the white and black communities more than the Hispanic and Asian communities, for example. Physical activity is another thing where there may be differences between the different communities. So there's a lot of theories, but it's it's different than what you hear in the media. All you hear yeah. is the comparison of blacks and whites, and it's missing the actual important big picture that both blacks and whites do worse than Asians and Hispanics. Maybe one, maybe one of the things, that, yeah, it helps. You say social determinants, so, sort of like, like maybe just having a close family structure or something like that might yeah, be. That's, that would be one thing. Obviously, if you live next to a factory that's billowing smoke all the time, that you know that would be a social determinant of health. Um, you know, there's a, there's a number of elements of it, but it's not it's not just socioeconomic things or income because, as I mentioned, Hispanics on average make significantly less than uh, non-Hispanic Caucasians, but live longer. They actually live about three years longer in the United States compared to, to uh, Caucasians. And uh, when you talk about Hispanics, is it all Hispanics? Is it like, uh, you know, is it between El Salvador or Puerto Rico and Mexico? Yeah, uh, the, the trend is similar in different uh, Hispanic groups. I couldn't tell you off the top of my head if uh, Puerto Ricans do better than, than uh, Argentinian immigrants to the U.S., yeah, but it's just because the, the, the Mexican diet would just just seem to be just a, a you know a disaster. Uh, it would be it's all you know beans and cheese and, and white. Well, beans flour. are probably pretty good. Be- beans are probably pretty good, but um, you know again it may also be physical activity or a combination of diet and physical activity. So that there are a number of different factors, but it also the other thing is that there's there's no uniform standard for any of these groups. So no, you know, it's, it's a, it, it, you're just looking at a you know a collective that is looking at many many different trends, but what it does show is that the narrative that somehow th- there are uh, racial differences that reflect um, these these stresses of society that have these massive influences on on health is much more nuanced than what people are saying because again. Uh, why why Asians as a minority group do so much better than the other groups? Yeah, or why, yeah, and or or if uh, Hispanics who make on average less money, if you're going to tie it to money, then right. why are they living longer? Right. So yeah, that these are the type of things that we want to get into on on med evidence is really understanding the truth. And the reason it's important is you know if, if and it's a little risky, of course. You you push back against the narratives, and then you know people will you know call you names, and and that's just the way the media and society works these days, unfortunately. But if you can fall back on the data and actually show people numbers and figures and, and facts, then hopefully people will know that you're sincere in what you're trying to accomplish is to give all people as much good information as possible. And again, there are occasions where there are specific issues with different groups. So, you know, a a simple example of that would be sickle cell disease in African-Americans. Yeah, that's a real thing. And it's something that's being studied and something that we can treat. And it's something that leads to lots of health consequences. Uh, So that would be a difference. But uh, then again, if you talk about the use of cholesterol medication, it works for everybody. You know, it doesn't matter what your background is. It works and prevents heart attacks. And then to insinuate that uh, one group uh, may get benefit from it, another group may not, actually sends the wrong message. And that message could result in people in a certain group not utilizing a tool that can be very effective. And, you know, we see that over and over again. Uh, An example that in clinical research is that 
you know, historically we've had some you know, horrible situations uh, the way the, the way uh, lower socioeconomic groups are treated. So, for example, the, there's the Tuskegee incident, which has uh, been pretty famous, and actually, you know, that's a yeah, that's a feather in the cap of the media. So, this was an experiment that was going on starting in the 1930s, that went on for about 40 years before a Washington Post article uncovered it and and pointed out how unethical it is. And really, what it was was looking at the natural history of syphilis. So, they took uh, poor African American sharecroppers who were uh, in Alabama, in the Tuskegee area, and who were known to have syphilis, about 400 of them, and they did not treat them. They would just watch what happened to them over the course of 40 years, even though uh, penicillin was available and then other things were available over the years. And it was to a point where they were actually identified by uh, people in the U.S. government and told um, and, and followed to an extent that they were not allowed to be treated by people. So, for example, when Tuskegee participants try to join the U.S. Army, they didn't get the usual penicillin shots that other soldiers got because they don't want to mess up the experiment. <laughs> so, so there's some horrible things that were done. But you know, the side effect of that is it, it's creating lack of trust or has created lack of trust with the African-American community. And, and what people don't talk enough about is that all the reforms that have occurred in, in clinical research that make it really safe, in fact probably people that participate in clinical research do better overall than people that are just free living because they get a lot more attention. There's a lot more um, focus on different elements of their health. And then they have the social structure of being part of, of a group that's trying to help them out. And to have uh, this legacy effect of, of, of African-Americans being concerned about participating in clinical research actually takes a benefit away from them at this point. Right. So there's a, you know, a lot of these things are double-edged swords and, and you need to really analyze them carefully before you make generalizations. Do you remember this one, like a, an example of uh, Staten Island humor? Uh, it was a Saturday Night Live episode and Pete Davidson was playing an astronaut. And I guess they were, you know, in this group that's going you know, to the moon or Mars, wherever they're going. And then uh, there was a female astronaut that, um, sort of expressed interest in Pete Davidson romantically. And then literally in like three seconds, he's out of a spacesuit and just wearing underwear. You're ready to go to bed <laughs> with her. It's like, yeah, again, this complete lack of pretense. Yeah. And, um, yeah. So that, you know, that was an example that um, King of Staten Island was pretty interesting. I thought they had some, you know, uh, nice lines. There. One of my favorite lines from that is, um, the actress who's the British act actress that had the great Staten Island accent. What was her name? It was amazing. That was amazing, wasn't she? That was so. I forgot her name. She was absolutely incredible. Yeah, she, yeah. She had a great Staten Island accent. So anyhow, that was uh, that was Pete Davidson's girlfriend in the movie, and then Pete yeah. Davidson, you know, is being friendly with her, and and the, and they go to bed together, and then Pete Davidson uh, sheepishly sheepishly says, "Is it alright if I stay with you for the next uh, day or a week?" Or month? Do you remember that scene? <laughs> no, I don't remember. Right. That's like a thousand says, movies. What? She says, what? You... <laughs> that's right. That's right. I thought that was a great Staten Island line. That's, that is a very great line. Belle Powley is her name. Belle Powley. Thank you. Belle Powley. Yeah, she's English. And uh, I was convinced that she was from Staten Island. She completely fooled me. She yeah. was wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, well, it's a kind of a grim, a, a grim. Um, it's kind of a, a, like a grim attitude about human nature. 
Mm-hmm. It's a grim. It's like a, it's it's grim expectation of of the motives of uh, and of what what people are like. Um, so it's a, it's a it's an expectation that things are not. Going well, and, and and that's the dark side of it. But I, I also like to look at the light side of it, which is again sort of cutting to the chase, if you will, and, yeah. and what what you know what's really important and what's pretense and and just show. And you know, that's that's our focal point is to in an entertaining way to be able to get to the truth and help people understand medical issues because they're you're cutting through the BS. Thank you for listening to Med Evidence, the truth behind the data. Please hit the subscribe button to stay up to date on our weekly releases.